Oh God. Oh. <laughs> Stephanie, take, take these salt and vinegar chips away. I'm going to keep eating these through the whole damned recording. Oh, oh I love those things. Okay. Uh, you know, it reminds me of an old Sinbad joke actually, uh, where he said, he he wanted to go on a diet and he uh, he got uh, he he went to the store and he bought Nutra chips and the 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 key to Nutra chips when he read the directions was okay every day just eat one chip and he said well if i could only, if all i had to do was or, you know if i could only eat one chip i wouldn't have a problem i wouldn't need to be on a diet because you know you just you can't eat just one right that's the old joke anyway <laughs> enough of that Ooh, all right. It is great to be back in the studio. Of course, the Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Sabzu, the rated R radio star, all those fun names here with you for another Q&A. Uh, in fact, I've, I've, I've been tentatively calling them uh, your questions, your questions, Brian's answers. And uh, obviously, oh, man, my lips are burning. Um, <laughs> obviously, that's I'll admit it. it it's it's a riff on um my personal favorite uh, uh, podcast, that being Security Now with uh, Steve Gibson on the Twit Network. Uh, of course, Security Now is the one episode that you can download completely independently. Like if you really had a big issue with the uh, with the Twit Network, you know, you, you would be able to get Security Now completely, completely on its own anyway by going to GRC.com, which is Steve Gibson's website anyway. Uh, but he always he does Q&A episodes here and there and he always calls them. Uh, you know, your questions, Steve and Steve's answers. So this is your question, your questions, Brian's answers. How about that? I really should not have eaten those chips. <laughs> um, but we've got quite a few to, to go through here. And of course, this is for Patreon subscribers only. Uh, and I want to thank everybody that is donating. There there are still more people coming on board as, uh, as Sovereign Tech patrons or Sovereign Tech subscribers, as I'm also tentatively calling them. Uh, I may come up with like little ranks based upon how much you donate. I, I mean, you know, not that I'm one for hierarchies, but I, I think that's kind of fun. Uh, and of course, if you want to up your donation amount every month through Patreon, please, by all means, uh, you, you know, don't hesitate to do that. And understand that Patreon does it. I only do monthly. There are lots of shows like Sword and Laser and some others that they do per episode and they get like two grand per episode too. Holy fuck. <laughs> you know, I'm not expecting that. I mean, it'd be nice. I'm not expecting that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I only do monthly because it's a varying amount of content that I will put out every week. In fact, right now, I think I might be doing two episodes of Patreon content this week, just this week. It won't be that way every week. Sometimes it'll be significantly more. Um, but anyway, if you want to up your donation amount, please don't hesitate to do so. I've already had some people do that. Thank you so, so much, uh, for, for doing that. That means the world to me. And of course there'll be a regular episode out, uh, this week and it all should be in studio again. Uh, we had, a the lovely and hyper intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy and I had a bit of a situation, uh, that, that we were going through, you know, that a family situation that we, that we had to, uh, you know, deal with it. We, we talked more about it on, on this past week's sex and science hour. Uh, but, um, anyway, no need to go into details on that. Uh, thank you so much for being a Patreon subscriber. Let's get into the questions. Cause this is what it's all about is, uh, is Q and a, um, and I've got some of these are actually, or maybe I'll open up with the first question. The first question I'm going to have it be, no, 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 I'll make that the second question, but I just want to warn you that the second question that I'm going to bring up is directly related to episode, is that 185 or 186? The latest episode of Sovereign Tech from this past week. Uh, I believe that would be episode 186. Um, 
And, and so, well, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll save it, uh, for that. But, uh, but yeah, it's going to get into the, the more wilder realms of things that I, that I talk about, uh, though, though grounded in some degree of science. Anyway, uh, this week's question is, or the, the, the first question I want to get into has to do with, well, I'll read the whole thing here that somebody sent in. And again, if you want to use, this makes things really easy for me. And I respond as soon as I can, when I get these in, if you want to use the Patreon messaging service or even the comments, you can use the comments section on, on Patreon. If you want to do that, um, that th- there's the private messenger on Patreon. I use that, you know, when people ask me questions through that, I generally, because I know you're a Patreon subscriber, I want to get right back to you. Okay. I want to show you the value for value. You're showing me the value. I want to show you the value. It'll, you know, it's nice little, uh, nice little symbiotic circle there. Um, but anyway, this came through uh, through the Patreon messenger. Uh, hi, Stallion, Patreon subscriber here. Uh, recently found your podcast via Brett Vanat at School Sucks, and I'm a huge fan. L- let me, l- I want to address that real quick. I am so honored. I know I've turned a lot of people on to Brett's podcast, and I am so honored that a lot of people have been turned on to Sovereign Tech through, through School Sucks, through Brett's podcast. Uh, it is, in my opinion, as far as shows that have to do with personal freedom, it is the single best podcast out there. It's not my favorite. My favorite security now, and there's other stuff I listen to more ahead of time, but I listen to every single episode of school sucks. Uh, I love the show. So I'm really, re- I mean, he is doing some great work. Uh, so I'm really, really honored that, you know, that there's this, um, the synergy between the two shows, uh, that, that, that means a lot to me. Um, in fact, you know, well, I won't say that I was about to, I was about to make a very controversial statement, but, um, I'm going to withhold from that one <laughs> because it might piss some people off. Not that I care about pissing people off, but, uh, anyway. All right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's really great. I'm glad that you're on board with Sovereign Tech. Welcome, uh, you know, welcome to the cabal. Uh, you often mention reading on here, you often mention apps slash software slash products that you endorse as really good or the best in its category. And I'm always interested to hear your opinions on the safety slash usefulness of popular apps, specifically apps that help in digital organization and efficiency. I would really, really like to see a list of products that you use or endorse. Do you have one by chance? Uh, and to ask a more specific specific question. Do you use a password manager like LastPass? Uh, thanks for everything you do. You and Stephanie rock. Uh, so thank you so much for that. And Stephanie just had a, a big smile on her face. She's actually in the studio. Uh, <laughs> there she is saying hello. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. And by the way, that, that controversial statement that I could have made had no, was nothing negative towards Brett. Uh, you know, just, just to be clear on that, it was towards perhaps other people. Um, so to, to answer part of this, uh, I will, first off, let me ask, answer the question about the password manager. I will say, I don't really have a list. Okay. I'll talk about more, more about that in a second, but, um, to get to the password manager. Now there's, I have three answers to this. Okay. And I did a write up about this at the dark Android blog a little while back, even though I'm going to kind of change sort of one of my answers on it, uh, here. So password managers are great things for a bunch of reasons. One of the reasons password managers are so great, first off, is it allows you to create really ridiculously long passwords that that probably can't get brute forced, right? That's a great thing. Okay, that that's a wonderful thing to have a password manager for. And it all gets saved, you know, however you want to work that out. We'll talk more about that in a second. That's great. The other thing that's great about it is it prevents phishing scams from happening. This is a big deal. 
fishing is where, well, I mean, in the context of what we're talking about, fishing is where, uh, say, for example, say somebody, you know, you got an email and they wanted you to log into your Twitter account. Okay. Or they wanted you to go to, they want you to go to a, uh, you know, something on Twitter, the website, the, the link that you would see, say it was sent to you in an email, the link that you would see would look like it says twitter.com slash something, but instead it's actually, and you didn't notice it. It's T V V I T T E R instead of T W I I I T T E R. But it looks a lot like it because the two V's look just like a W, you know, in, in, especially at first blush, you know? Uh, so what would happen is, is you would click on this T V V I T T E R link instead of the T W instead of a real one, it would take you there. And it would ask for your username and password. You would give it to this site and then whatever would happen would happen. But bottom line is, is people would then suddenly have your Twitter login information. Okay. Uh, now if you were using a pat, that's a fish. All right. That's a phishing scam. If you were using a password manager, the password manager would not get fooled by that link. And it would say, wait, where the fuck are you? You know, what is this? And it would, it would work as a warning system. So password managers, if you're not that cautious, about where you're going, like particularly with phishing scams, about what website you're actually on and all this password managers can, can really simplify that. And it can be a, you know, a very nice defensive system if you want to use that sort of thing. Um, so I think there are, there are really great reasons to use a password manager. Now myself, what do I use in, I guess what you could call mission critical situations. Um, I use what's called the little black book. Okay. Now that doesn't mean I don't use a, a password man. I'll talk about a password manager in just a second. But I use the little black book and it is literally one of these miniature Moleskine books that I write down all of my username and passwords and all that stuff. in. now the reason I use this, and again, this is for the very serious stuff. This is for mission critical stuff. Um, I use this because if, well, for a few reasons, one is, is that, you know, there's no, no cloud service is going to take my entire collection of, you know, username or passwords. The NSA can't really get their hands on it unless they had a camera over it or something, uh, or a mosquito drone, which guess what? Those are kind of real. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, and, and the, the idea also is that today, you know, in modern computer raids as in, I don't mean raids as in like a rate hard drive raid like as a disc array, I mean, raids as in like the FBI or whoever else coming into your house and taking a bunch of your shit. Uh, the modern warrant and the modern raids generally only concentrate on electronic devices. So if I don't store any of my usernames and passwords or other, you know, critical data onto an electronic device, you know, generally the FBI is just going to fucking ignore, you know, this little black book. The other nice thing is because it's a little black book, it can be hidden in all kinds of places. Uh, and then also the ultimate way of getting rid of something is that a little black book is paper. And so if somebody came after it or someone tried to grab it, it's very easy for me to either turn the stove on or, you, you know, or, or grab a lighter, whatever, and up in smoke goes all my username and passwords and no one is ever going to get them unless they can read my mind. Uh, and at that point they'd have to know my mind better than even I do. So that I, the little black book is like the ultimate in paranoia, but I think it's paranoia well-founded. Okay. Now I'm being extreme. The average person, especially when you're in this mode of productivity and wanting to get shit done, like, you know, just like normal, productivity stuff. I don't know, you know, writing, you know, writing uh, blog posts or, you know, doing all this various crap, uh, you know, or even making podcasts and things like this. You don't need that level. 
You don't need anything like that. Okay. So the other, there's another option that I recommend. Um, and then there's a third option that I'm going to bring up. The other option is KeePass. It's K E E P A S S. Okay. KeePass is, it's a password manager, but it's, it, it doesn't have to be cloud-based. You can do, you can use it and everything gets stored, uh, right onto your, um, right, you know, right onto your, uh, PC, you know, right onto your computer. Uh, and that's, I, I, I actually, I really like that model because, you know, again, nothing's getting stored up in the cloud. You could say your passwords are already up there. They just have to crack into the various services. Fine. But there's not the centralized repository on some server somewhere, even if it's encrypted properly, uh, that, that people could, uh, you know, get access to. Right. Uh, so KeePass is a really nice hybrid solution. It is the, it's the step between LastPass and its ilk and the little black book. It is the in-between road. Uh, so that's something you might want to consider. Uh, but KeePass doesn't work so well cross-platform. And I actually had somebody tweeted at me about, um, you know, about what I recommend as, as far as a, um, uh, as far as a password manager this week too. So, and I, and, and this is the recommendation I made to them because they were looking for something comparable to LastPass. They weren't looking for, you know, a more paranoid solution. They weren't, they weren't looking for something that was a little, I don't know, uh, you know, you know, there wasn't exactly like key pass or whatever, uh, you know, that, that didn't follow that model. Uh, so what I recommend is N pass, uh, E N P A S S. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. N pass is great cross platform and it does everything LastPass does. It has, as far as a cloud based, again, you have to accept that that's what you want in the first place. And I understand why, I mean, you know, when I'm doing a lot of my productivity stuff or a lot of my more basic, you know, computing tasks, yeah, I use NPass on my, you know, on my smartphone, I use NPass. Um, and th they have apps for everything. They even have, you can get extensions for browsers, just like LastPass has. Uh, they have one that even works in Opera. Of course, LastPass has it for Opera too. So, I mean, so everywhere that they could possibly put NPass, believe me, they've put it. Um, so I really, I, I really, really like this solution. Um, as far as it being better than LastPass, I mean, they're comparable, you know, uh, LastPass is kind of a juicier target to some degree. Uh, not that, you know, anonymity or that security from obscurity is, is foolproof or even it might not even the best be the best idea security from, you know, security via obscurity is the notion that because it's not something used much, it's secure in the fact that it's not, in a, you know, nobody wants to attack it in the first place. Okay. Uh, and pass is decently popular. So I, you know, I don't think that that's, that's really a situation, uh, but they, they even have and pass even has uh, they have an edge Microsoft edge, uh, uh, extension as well. So, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. The thing I like about and pass is that unlike LastPass, which is now owned by a, by a much larger company and a company that I don't, you know, that doesn't have a great track record and pass really largely is concentrated on just being and pass. I mean, you could go with LastPass. I, I just feel like, and, and, and the other thing I like about NPass is its pricing model. Um, like if you buy the windows 10 NPass app, which will allow it to work, you know, across the entire, your entire windows machine, uh, say it, I think it costs 10 bucks or 15 bucks and then that's it. It's done. You don't have to, there's no subscription fees. It's like we're last with LastPass premium. You have to pay a consistent subscription fee from here into eternity. 
Uh, so to get all of, you know, really every feature that LastPass pretty much has to get a ton of great features and some other stuff too. I mean, and they're doing everything right. AAS 256, all the good stuff. Um, you know, you, the pricing model, I, I, I find to be far more palatable. Um, and again, I just like the fact that, you know, that it, it does so well cross platform as to where some of these other password managers, you know, you get, you can get a very inconsistent experience across browsers, across operating systems, you know, across, uh, you know, iOS or Android smartphones, whatever, across all these different things, you end up with, with a different experience. So I like the fact that NPASS is very, you know, like the, the updates are, are frequent, uh, and it just, it's got all the right moves. So that's what I recommend as, as far as, uh, NPASS goes. There was a big scare this week over LastPass, but uh, come to find out it was actually an old story and somebody just picked up on it and they reported it like it's new. And so obviously the news feeds all, you know, copied what one story said and nobody actually bothered to do any fact checking. Um, so I'm not saying LastPass is bad. I'm just saying NPass does a couple things a little bit better, in my opinion, one of them being the pricing model. Uh, and yeah, so so that that's that's my opinions. Um you know, on, on all of that, as far as what are the best, uh, password managers to go with. Um, I, I really do again, the little black, it depends on what level of paranoia you want to go with. And that, that leads into the second part of this question is that, you know, when you're talking about productivity, cause the, the, you know, initially the emailer asked, and I'm going to make one of these lists, the list that he asked for, like, what do I use? What is my get shit done list? You know, what is like my software loadout on my daily driver of a computer or a smartphone and all that? I think that'd be a fun list to make. Uh, and I will be making that available. Um, so I don't want to go, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get too deep into, you know, into answering uh, that part of this question. Cause I'm going to make up that list. Um, but for digital organization and efficiency, I got to tell you, uh, you know, so to explain this, like I have, if I go to dark, if you go to darkandroid.info, if you go to that website, that is the bare bones of, of paranoia. And I don't mean to use the word paranoia as any kind of pejorative. Okay. Uh, that is the bare, like, this is what you, if you want to, you know, or at least is, is the best anonymity and privacy that you can achieve. These are the apps you want to use. Don't use much else. Now, admittedly, and, and, and I'm, I've said this for years with the dark Android project is that if you actually want to get shit done, uh, <laughs> you know, you, there's no great office software. Okay. For that is, you know, that, that is concentrating on privacy and anonymity and all of that. Uh, there's no great office software, certainly on Android. Um, you know, not, not that it, that doesn't belong to some, you know, major conglomerate or corporation like Google or Microsoft or something. Um, I mean, there's, there's people that have been porting over they they were putting Abbey word or were they putting Libra or no, 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 no. They were putting open office. Somebody, somebody, I know somebody has ported open office in its entirety, like perfectly to Android. You can only get it through the Google Play Store, though, which I think is just nuts. Like, why not have that in F-Droid? It's already, I mean, it's Apache's open office. What the fuck? Uh, but anyway, you, I mean, you have that. And if that was available through F-Droid or if there's a good sideloading option where you could keep getting updates, uh, you know, that'd be very nice, uh, you know, if you could do that sort of thing. So, but understand that, there, you know, that's, that's dark Android. You know, that's that level of paranoia. Um, to really, you know, kind of get shit done and be able to interact with teams uh, you know, and, and, and do all this other stuff. And as far as like having organization and, and, and being efficient and all that, uh, that, that you've got to get away from that concept of dark Android, in my opinion. Um, 
if you're doing serious stuff, you know, and all that. Uh, I know a lot of people are so hot on Evernote. Um, Evernote. So here's the thing is that th- this gets into software minimalism to, to kind of start to answer this question, uh, because I have a very broad answer to it all. Uh, with software minimalism and for security in general, a great idea to, to run with is to have as few accounts as possible. Okay. You, you don't want to have, you know, you don't want to have a Zoho account, a Google account, a Microsoft account, an Apple account, uh, you know, a Twitter account, a Facebook. I mean, you know, like if you could, if you could hone down the amount of accounts that you have and the amount of services that you use that, that in itself creates a degree of protection, uh, a degree of, of security in that. Uh, now that might sound counterintuitive when you think about decentralization, but this is, these are totally different matters. Um, that's, that's a very different, you know, a, a, a very different story. <laughs> so, uh, so you want to have, you know, ba- as far as modern computing goes, you want to have as few accounts as possible. You really do. And one account that I know, one account type that I know I am going to have pretty much from here out into eternity, uh, unless, you know, somehow, uh, you know, this, this anarchist dream world comes to fruition or something is going to be a Microsoft account. I just know that. Okay. Uh, I know that, you know, I, I cannot say the same for Google. I cannot say that I know I will have a Google account for, for all time. Uh, I sure as hell can't say that for Apple. So the one, the one account that, that I know I'm just always going to have for varying reasons, be it legacy reasons and whatever else is going to be a Microsoft account. So because of that, Microsoft has an entire suite of software, uh, that works very well online or offline, um, that, uh, you know, that works again, we're not talking about privacy and anonymity and, and, and all of that. Okay. We're, I'm not, I'm not even addressing those, those issues. I'm talking about, you know, just, just raw dog getting stuff done, you know, organization and efficiency, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So don't, don't confuse me from what I recommend generally. Um, you know, since I have this Microsoft account, why not use what comes with this Microsoft account? And I get office and I get, you know, one note, one note is totally for free. You don't have to pay, uh, for office 365, you know, pay for a subscription to that, um, you know, to use one note. Um, I use one note for my organization and for, you know, and for efficiency, I use OneDrive for organization and for efficiency, uh, the backup plan to Patreon episodes right now, as it stands is using, like, if you say, say you subscribe to, you know, to sovereign tech subscriber content through Bitcoin, you get access to a OneDrive uh, folder. Okay. That, that you can download the episodes for, you know, from here on into eternity, uh, or, you know, as long as they're up there, obviously. And as long as Microsoft exists, which, you know, I kind of wish, <laughs> well, whatever. Um, so I have, you know, so, so that, that's my, my way of thinking is, especially when it comes to efficiency is sticking within an ecosystem gives you that efficiency. All right. Um, so I, I stick very much, you know, within, within Microsoft's ecosystem because I'm already there because, you know, I'm using like my main business that I do is I is making video games and my video game business puts me very, you know, square in the sights of running stuff that, you know, that works on Microsoft windows. And if you want to debate, uh, you, you know, the, 
the practicality of, you know, saying, well, you could do this with Linux though. And you could do the, I mean, I've had this debate with people. Okay. And it's just like, you know, it just doesn't fly that way. All right. Now I want to be in the place to where windows is open source or where, you know, windows and things like this don't even exist. They're not a part of the program anymore. Everybody's running BSD. That'd be awesome. Okay. I I'm totally on board with that. And I am, I mean, I am going to be releasing games for Linux, you know, don't, don't misunderstand me as well as, you know, Mac OS. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, it's where windows is just where it's at. Believe me, there's lots of, there's, you know, I mentioned earlier, uh, Steve Gibson, the security now, you know, he does all of his work in windows, but he hates what Microsoft does, you know? And, and it's like, it's not that windows in and of itself is bad. It's just, you know, we, the, what Microsoft does as a company oftentimes just sucks ass, you know? And then there's times they do very, you know, incredible things like, you know, taking on the DOJ, you know, the U S DOJ and winning. Um, but you know, I'm not defending Microsoft. I'm just saying a lot of people are, you know, really knee deep in, you know, in the, the Microsoft ecosystem and they want to get away and they're working towards getting away. It's just going to take some time. And is the same true for me? Perhaps. But as it stands right now, uh, I mean, and, and understand, you know, OneNote and all that stuff, all that can work cross-platform. You could use OneNote on Linux. You can't install Office yet, but you could use, um, you know, you could install the, the OneNote Web Clipper. Uh, extension for whatever web browser you've got pretty much. Uh, and then you could, uh, you know, you could use the one note, the, the webpage, uh, you know, the web portal for it, for it. And you could do the same with word and all that. Um, so for, you know, for my, I, I stick within an ecosystem and for organization and efficiency, I use, I mean, I, I just stick right inside of Microsoft, Microsoft's ecosystem. I use, uh, I use word, I use one note, um, and I use OneDrive, and they all work beautifully. I, you know, I use it on like my phones, like to share uh, cover art for episodes and all this stuff. I mean, like, like one of the things I do, you know, all my episode artwork I make with uh, Nintendo's Mitomo, which you want to talk about about another account I know I'm going to have forever. It's a Nintendo account uh, because I've been a Nintendo boy as long as I can remember being conscious. I mean, I, I remember crying and crying, mommy, please, please. You know, I was six years old, 1987. Please. I wanted NES for, for Christmas, please, please, please. You know, and, and which was crazy in of itself because we didn't really celebrate Christmas, but you know, it was just, it was kind of like everybody else was sort of getting one and all that stuff. And so I went on this big, you know, big to do. And, uh, and you know, I mean, you know, here, here's a little secret. A lot of Jews still get presents on Christmas. Uh, they still kind of like quasi quasi celebrate, um, that holiday. So anyway, um, I, I did end up with that NES, by the way, I'm not saying crying like that to a parent is a good thing, <laughs> but regardless, been a Nintendo boy for life. Uh, so I know I'll have that Nintendo account forever. Um, so anyway, I use Mitomo to make all of the show art for every episode for, for sex and science hour for these, uh, Patreon only, uh, uh, episodes for sovereign tech. And so, you know, all I do is, is I make it on Mitomo because you can't run Mitomo on a PC unless you're using Remix OS or something. Uh, but I use Mitomo, uh, you know, on my smartphone, I make it. Um, and then, you know, I, I upload it to OneDrive and that instantly shares onto my OneDrive folder on my laptop. And, yeah. I mean, it, it's literally seconds and I can just work from there. So, you know, that's sticking within an ecosystem. I'm not saying that's how I want the world to work. I'm not saying that that's the best way that, that computing should work, blah, 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 blah. I'm just saying if you are doing business, if you want to organize and if you want efficiency, sticking within an ecosystem is really the way to go. I know some people might be shocked by me saying this, but that, that that's just, 
you know, that that's the reality as it stands. I hate it, but that's the reality as it stands. Um, so that, that's, that's how I, that's how I get things done. I mean, and you understand too, I wear a ton of hats, you know, I, I really, really do. And some of those hats require me to use certain pieces of software that normally I, I don't know that I'd use, uh, you know, including office, uh, line and, you know, just, just some other apps out there. So, uh, th- there you have that. I will make a list though, of what I actually use and for what. Um, and if you have like, if you, as a Patreon, you know, subscribers, if, if you know, as patrons, as they're called, if you have specific, like what, what should I use for this? Go ahead and ask me, but then tell me also like, what, like, are you wanting to, you know, are you still wanting to have that privacy and anonymity? How serious is this? You know, and then because then there's different answers. You, you know what I mean? For for the average person, like Google Docs works great, right? Uh, but if you're wanting to be, you know, more on the QT, well, then, you know, you have different you have different answers you want to go with. You want to be using like privatetext.com or something like that. Uh so anyway, that, that, that answers that one. I, I thought that was a, just a great email and I, uh, I really, really appreciate it. Now the second question, or, you know, that, that question, that was first question that had two parts, but here's the second question. This is where I said that I was going to get into, into the strange, um, this week, this past week, episode 186 of sovereign tech, um, I brought up, I talked about, and I, I did a sequel to the whole topic of enhanced humans and during that, and, and also it's kind of the end of the conversation in many ways for me, unless a very specific story comes up in the future. Um, during that, I mentioned that I was reminded of the movie Man of Steel, as in the Superman movie, which I thought was just a great fucking movie. Like, so, so good. Which, by the way, I also, for those wondering, I think I got some people asked about this. Did I see Batman versus Superman? Uh, I saw the ultimate edition. I did not see the theatrical. I thought the ultimate edition was, was a fine movie. I thought it was great. Uh, Gal Gadot was pretty good. Um, uh, full disclosure as a, like, like I, I think I said this last week, maybe in the, or, you know, in the last uh, Q and a special, or maybe I said it during the show during sovereign tech last week. If you cut me, I bleed comic book ink. Like, I mean, that's just that it's, it's in my veins. Okay comic books are such a core part of me. Um, I want, you know, like what I, one of the big things for me with any movie, with anything is fidelity. Okay. Meaning how does, how does this new, new venue, new format translate the original work that matters to me? Doesn't have to always go with that. It can work fine. I mean, you look at, you know, for case in point to where something may be vastly different, but still incredible and still totally relevant to the source material. Uh, look at Dune. Okay. The book Dune from Frank Herbert. Now look at the David Lynch or Alan Smithy or the spice driver, which is my personal favorite version of the film. Look, you know, look at the 1984 Dune, right. You know, uh, with Kyle MacLachlan and, you know, and all that, that the book and that movie are, are really kind of very different animals. They, they really are, but the movie's great. Like it's, it's one of the best movies ever made in my opinion. Uh, like, I mean, it stands so high above, uh, just about any other film. It's, there was a time in my life where I considered it number one. That's that slot is held by other films now. Uh, but it, it, I mean, just, just phenomenal that movie. Um, and, but you know, it's not the book, but so what it's great for what it is. And it actually helped visualize a lot of what was in the book. 
So there's cases where, you know, not following the source material perfectly and kind of doing your own thing can actually work out fine. And that's okay. Uh, but you know, with comic books, there's one area and, and I hope people know, look, I hope people recognize I am far too conscious of, uh, you know, really societal mores and issues that I think are bullshit. Um, I mean, I've gone so far as to describe myself a feminist, you know, often enough. Okay. To know that I'm, I'm, I'm really not being sexist here. Uh, I, I don't like, this isn't actually the topic I wanted to get into, but I think you might enjoy this. So I'm going to talk about it. I don't like the fact that most of the time that a female comic book character gets translated to film or to television that they don't have, I'm serious, that they don't have massive breasts. That actually ticks me off. Um, I don't like the fact, and you have to understand now, I mean, you know, the argument can swing both ways on this. I'm not saying that the people can't act or that people that have come in and they don't have, you know, because most, most female characters in comic books have large breasts. There's a reason for that though. And it's not inherently sexism. In fact, and, and I'll prove it to you because a lot of people make that claim and they're dead wrong. All right. Um, you know, with, with, all right, let's just touch on that with, with, um, you know, with female comic book characters, female superheroes having very large breasts. Now they didn't always have very large breasts, but it became a thing, you know, especially late seventies, eighties, they got a bit bigger nineties. They got particularly, you know, kind of ridiculous and all this, um, you know, and wonder woman obviously is known next to perhaps DC's power girl, which let me just say, we'll see how serious Hollywood is about making DC movies based upon who they, they hire to play power girl, because if she doesn't, you know, if they don't get anybody less than, uh, Oh fuck. What's her name from mad men? Um, the redhead. God damn it. I can't think of it. Anyway, they need to get somebody with massive breasts playing, playing power girl. Just saying. Okay. Because like that is so core to the character, like in the comics, there are, constant jokes over the fact over the size of her boobs and the fact that she has this, you know, like diamond cutout shape on her outfit that, you know, kind of shows, uh, you know, the cleavage off. Right. Anyway, you know, in most, most com uh, female comic book superheroes have, you know, have this, you know, have these, you know, are very well endowed wonder woman being one of them. Okay. And so Gal Gadot, you know, she, beautiful woman, you know, she, and, and I think her, her acting like her, her prowess as far as I've seen from her trailer at, at Comic-Con and from Batman versus Superman, you know, she, she did great. Like so far I'm, I am cool with, you know, how she's doing things. All right. But she doesn't really have the wonder woman look in my opinion. She, she just doesn't have it. Now, why, why do in comic books, why do women have massive breasts? Why do guys have gigantic muscles and all this different stuff? There's a reason the reason being, first off, the artistry level has increased significantly, uh, you know, from from honestly, you know, back in the, <laughs> you know, the the Bob Kane days, you know, for for an example. Right. The the, the ability, I mean, just drawing ability art has just I mean, it's just gone to a whole other level. And it really like maxed out, in my opinion, at uh, like like Pat Lee or, um, you know, or Rob Liefeld, you know, those guys. I, I love those guys. Uh, their artwork, I should say. Um, it is it, what it is. It is shorthand 
for, you know, these, these endowments, we'll say these physical endowments that these characters have, they are shorthand for a generally separating the superheroes from the normies. Okay. As in the normal people, the pedestrians, the citizens, whatever in the comic book. So it's a shorthand to separate them from that. And it's a shorthand of their gender. Now I'm not going to get into gender issues here. You know, that that's a completely different, you know, uh, uh, art, you know, conversation to have, but it was, it was not designed. It wasn't, it really wasn't like a sexism thing. It was all about how do on like, because you used to have very limited amount of pages. Now, I mean, it seems like now comic book companies, they will put out, it doesn't matter how long the comic issue needs to be. Like it averages at about 20 pages of actual story. Right. So you get, you know, then 30 pages total with ads or something, but now, you know, they'll put out an 80 page comic, you know, without thinking twice, uh, they'll extend it. They'll add in pages without thinking twice. And they'll do, you know, uh, you know, two, uh, two page, you know, bifold beauty shots in comics today, which that used to be a really rare thing. It used to be a very clever trick was like to get attention to something. Like I remember when Superman finally came back after the death of Superman, uh, story arc, and then he did reign of the Superman and all that. When he first came back, um, after, you know, dealing with, uh, Hank Henshaw, the cyborg and, uh, you know, the, the engine of coast city and all this stuff. And, you know, the eradicator like jumps in front of him and the eradicators powers transfer back to Superman when he comes back and he's back in the blue outfit. He had the long hair though, which was different, you know, and all that it, um, they did, they, you know, they did a bifold, they did a two page spread because it drew attention to say, here's the glory. Here's the victory. This is, this is it. We're back, baby. Now people do two, two page spreads as in where, you know, it's two pages of the comic book are one, you know, it's one single action. Now people do that willy nilly. They, they, you know, th that's also something that's kind of lost that, that narrative trick, uh, you know, just like how, you know, Alfred Hitchcock would pull off all kinds of narrative tricks, uh, you know, with movies, people had narrative tricks with comic books as well. They had very much to do with the visualization of them anyway. So. Up until recently, you were not, you know, for varying reasons, you were not allowed to, to do a lot of these, you know, big shots. Uh, and certainly web comics has also changed this significantly. Okay. To where, um, you know, you, you don't have to worry about pages anymore. You just worry about, you know, a, a screen and, and there's no cost involved with having to print more pages and all this stuff. So web comics, web comics have really changed the game, uh, as well. In fact, I mean, DC and Marvel have both started creating, uh, comic books that at first come out on the web, uh, because it's, it's such a very different medium. And there's a lot of tricks that can be done with that, that companies like dark horse have been doing since the nineties, like, uh, withholding, uh, you know, word bubbles in comics up until like there, there's the, the purpose of a reveal and all this stuff. Lots of cool stuff you can do with web comics, uh, to where it's almost an animation, uh, a, a very primitive animation of sorts, uh, you know, moving animation. Um, so now what, now my point being is that you have these very little, you know, usually to get a full story into one issue. And that's another thing that's changed too, of course, is now comic books, they do full story arcs. They'll do story arcs for a fucking year. They don't care. Um, to, you know, you used to have to tell one story in a comic book. I missed that myself. And so you would have on one page, you could, at times you could have nine, 10, 12 different little comic pains, pains being, you know, P P A N E S where something would show up, you know, where, where a part of the story was changing. You needed to show that perhaps there was a woman there or that there was a guy there or that it was a superhero or if it was a citizen. You did that by, by over, you know, overemphasizing 
Okay. By overemphasizing, you know, various physical traits, that's how you pulled that off. It wasn't sexism folks. If you, and particularly if you go into the history of comic books, comic books, even comic books, as you would say, as conservative as Captain America have been so far ahead of the game, as far as uh, social change and shifts or doing away of social mores. I mean, comic book artists are social rebels. Like they're, they are cultural rebels. They are rebels. I shouldn't say social, social. I should, I should say cultural. They are rebels to anything that's going on. Uh, it's, it's really something. And, and comic books have been a great way, especially 60s, 70s, you know, and even moving up a bit, uh, eighties and nineties, there was a point where it was, you know, a lot of action, all that stuff. And, you know, comic books for comic books sake. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, but you know, there was a lot of, there, there were many, many a decade where comic books were, were a serious social commentary especially when some of these guys, you know, started getting involved, like I said, in the late sixties, the seventies and eighties. Um, so, you know, these are people that were, these are people who describe themselves as feminists or that would, you know, various, uh, you know, social, and I know people are going to bristle at the term deal with it. Okay. Uh, you know, what are you triggered by the term social justice? I thought you were against triggering, um, you know, that, that were big on social justice, right? So no, I, so I, I don't agree that this is all about, I mean, it can be based upon the person perhaps, but the concept itself of, you know, exaggerated features, exaggerated physical features being well endowed, you know, women having large breasts, men having gigantic muscles, you know, culminating in the incredible Hulk and all this, right. Uh, was what it was just, a, it was a narrative toy like that. That's really what it came down to now. Why should that still be true in the movies when in the movies you don't have this problem? You can very clearly see who's a man, who's a woman, blah, 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 or, you know, whatever you're trying to, or you can very, very clearly see. I mean, this is the same reason why, like the outfits were so expressive, why the outfits were so wild, because it, it needed, you needed to denote the superhero from the rest of society. Okay. You know, so why do they hold on to all this stuff in movies? Well, sometimes they don't. The, the X-Men movies in the nineties were a clear example of this where they said, okay, no, this is going to be a movie. We don't have to use any of the, any of the narrative tricks or tropes that comic books have. The suits don't have, you know, Wolverine doesn't have to wear a yellow suit anymore. He can wear all leather. We'll know it's Wolverine. His hair doesn't have to be as wild either, even though they, I mean, you know, I love the, the, the X-Men, a good chunk of the X-Men movies anyway. Um, and also, you know, nobody needs to have the, the ridiculously pronounced, uh, you know, physicalities because we can see on the screen, we know we're building with the characters inside of this two hour capsule, you know, who, uh, uh, you know, who the heroes are and who aren't right. Okay, fine. I get that argument and you're welcome to it, but value subjective. And this is what I want. I want to see that difference. I want to see, I, I don't think that first off, I want to see like the dedication, you know, kind of to the character, like you want to make the characters larger than life. That's one of my, one of my rare annoyances, you know, with, with a lot of the comic book films out there is that they, they very much kind of, kind of humanized and they sort of, you know, like they tried to make these characters more relatable to try to appeal to a wider audience. So it's not so crazy, not so strange right? For people to experience. In fact, it's interesting that now, now where we're in phase three or phase four of the Marvel movies, now we're finally getting a Dr. Strange film. Why? Because if you showed that, you know, if Dr. Strange came out, like say right after Iron Man, people would be like, what the fuck is that? And it would have been a flop. 
because it's just too weird for the average person. So here's, here's my problem is that a lot of the getting rid of narrative tricks that exist within comic books, like well-endowed bodies, uh, is the only reason that they're doing it is to appeal to the masses. Folks, as a fan of these properties, as somebody wants to, who wants to see them come to life, I don't give a shit about everybody. I don't give a shit about the mainstream, about the masses. If they didn't like Wonder Woman back when she, you know, as a comic book, I don't give a fuck if they care about her as a movie. That's that, that movie's for me, baby. At least in my opinion, that's what it should be for. But, you know, they can't do, you know, $200 million opening weekends if they just try to appeal to, to real fans, right? So I think the reason for getting rid of a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, narrative, uh, uh, you know, tricks or strategies uh, has nothing to do with sexism. I mean, and, and it just has to do with trying to appeal to a wider audience, perhaps. And even though, I mean, one could argue that, you know, if you have, you know, I don't know, somebody playing Wonder Woman that has 38 double E breasts or something like how that wouldn't attract, you know, a massive uh, group of people. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, it, you'd think it would, but regardless, they're not getting rid of these, you know, a lot of these things within the comic books for very good reasons, in my opinion. Uh, and it ticks me off. Now, I mean, look, you can get Linda Carter to play Wonder Woman. I mean, not now, but back in the seventies, you grabbed Linda Carter. Uh, I mean, I know people think that like those seventies and the, uh, you know, sixties and seventies, like comic book shows, like particularly, uh, Green Hornet, uh, you know, Batman 66 with Adam West and Wonder Woman with Linda Carter and all that, that somehow they were like really cheesy or kind of ridiculous. No, man, they were sexy. In fact, we're just celebrating the 50th anniversary of the original Batman movie coming out, the 66 one. I mean, or, uh, well, it, it came out after 66, but anyway, I mean, they were so, so sexy. Those, those were, I mean, yeah, they were kind of ridiculous and, and, and the stories were a little pedestrian, but that's because they were comic books and, and the comic books weren't exactly pedestrian, but I mean, you know, there's only so many ways you could translate it to TV and get past, you know, the studio execs and all of this. Um, but I mean, they, they were purposely made, you know, you know th that's my point is that the people that made the wonder woman TV show back in the seventies, they knew they, they're like, this is what wonder woman looks like. This is a part of wonder woman. I'm not being sexist. I'm not saying that, that everybody has to have massive breasts or something like that. I mean, that that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that there, there is a, there is an association. There is a purpose. There's a grander purpose for that. That goes beyond any kind of sexiness. Okay. It has to do with making these characters larger than life. It has to do with, you know, bringing them to the next level to separating them from the normies. Okay. And I mean, and even if it is for the sexiness, fuck. Okay. So what, <laughs> you know, what, what the hell's wrong with that? So anyway, I, I went way off on a, on a, on a, Ooh, man, I went on a side tangent there. How, what, what am I looking at for time? Maybe I'm only going to get to, holy shit. We're almost at an hour. Stephanie, how are we doing? Are you doing okay on time? Are you like, like I, I got 15 minutes. Uh, yeah, let's go another All right. 15 minutes. Okay. Oh, crap. No, g give me 15 minutes. All right. So <laughs> you're hearing this live folks. Yeah. It's only in my ears, but I mean, they, they might, they might've heard it through the hey, fuck it. We'll do it live. All right. So 15 minutes, here we go. I'm, I was going to get to some other questions. Looks like we're only going to get to a couple this week, but I think that's fine. So what I wanted, you know, speaking of, uh, making characters seem larger than life 
and perhaps even alien, which is another aspect that a lot of, you know, a lot of these comic book characters aren't human. So why would they have average human, you know, uh, uh, features, you know, let's build them up. Superman being your great case to where, you know, as soon as Superman could get bulked up, the, the artist started drawing him that way. And it made sense because he is Superman, right? Um, yeah. Anyway. So I talked about, uh, with the enhanced human segment on sovereign tech last week, uh, I talked about how what's going on with, you, you know, with the idea of genetically engineering humans and all this stuff could end up in failure. And I said, it reminded me of man of steel, where in the beginning of man of steel, you see Krypton and you find out that everybody had been purpose built on Krypton. And this led to various revolutions and violence and all these different problems, right? On Krypton. Now, not, now that's fiction. That doesn't mean it's proof for what's going to happen today, but it's an example, you know, that, that can kind of highlight what I mean. Um, so that was my problem with genetic engineering is that especially when you have centrally planned systems like government and other, uh, you know, other versions of authoritarianism where humans could end up being like kind of purpose built and we would lose a lot of the, a lot of the beautiful kludginess, a lot of the beautiful ran, uh, you know, randomness that comes with humanity that really has what is what has propelled humanity forward and allowed for these, you know, massive leaps in logic that, you know, allows us to go from stone knives and bearskins to computers. Um, so purpose built humans, you know, I, I, I don't agree with that anyway. And so I said, when I talked about that, because that's, you know, that was the, the secret to Superman is that he was the first like rant, you know, uh, uh, physically born. He wasn't born in a test tube, uh, and non engineered, you know, genetically engineered, uh, baby on Krypton in like a thousand years or something. If you remember the, the narrative from, uh, from man of steel. So in that, 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 I said I could get on a side tangent in the episode of episode 186 of Sovereign Tech, and I didn't. But I'm going to get into the side tangent now. And that is that, and if you haven't seen Man of Steel, here's, your, here's a great reason to watch it. If you have seen it, here's a great reason to watch it again. If you look, and it's particularly in the beginning of Man of Steel, that's the best part of the movie, in my opinion, is when they're showing off Krypton. Uh, the Superman stuff was good, but showing off Krypton was amazing, you know, and having Russell Crowe playing Jarrell and all that, that was awesome. Look at the technology. On, in Krypton or, you know, on Krypton, you'll notice something very strange. There isn't a whole lot of like interfaces. There aren't really any, there aren't much in the way of screens, not screens as we, as, as how we think of them, what the technology shows off. And, and this is, this is really something because I've talked about this before on sovereign tech, uh, as a, it was a path not taken almost 200 years ago, you know, or 150 years ago, whatever. Um, but you never like, you know, nobody ever really thinks about it. What, what you don't see. And I, I've never listened to like the director's commentary or anything to see if like what they had in mind when they did this, because this was really unique what they showed off. All the technology was based on magnetism. This is, this was so cool to see on Krypton as in like when they showed something on a screen, what you saw was it was kind of a, a two and a half dimensional. It wasn't totally 3d though. It could be. But you saw like a two and a half dimensional is where it like kind of popped out a bit representation based upon, you know, little what seemed what looked like little magnetic balls. OK, and this is how actually e-reader technology, you know, these are this is how e-ink screens on e-readers work, is that it's a bunch of little little metal balls that like the magnets get reorganized and it ends up displaying something. OK, so what they did is they kind of took the concept of e-ink and just, you know, they, they just went large with it. They, they just went all the way. They, they put it on steroids. 
so that it could display anything and everything. And that's how you interacted. It even created buttons and everything. It was so cool to see that. Now, why that was so cool to see that this is the side tangent I wanted to get into is because there was a time, the time before electricity was, you know, the, 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 the thing du jour. Okay. (laughs) There was a time where magnetism, where magnets were potentially going to be used as the next leap in technology, as in, uh, think steampunk, right? So a steampunk, you think about, you know, the, the, the basic concept is, is you add steam to everything, you know, like anything you could think of, even the internet or whatever, you just add steam to it. And then you end up with steampunk, right? Like you have it operated, you know, through, through steam powered technology. Okay. As to where right now we live in a electrically powered world, right? Even if it's solar panels and all that shit, you're still, we're dealing with largely with an electrically powered world. Um, the third pot. So you had steam, you know, and a lot of people have, have, you know, dalliance with what a steampunk world, you know, a steam powered world would look like. That's a whole popular genre on its own. But the one that, that people forget and that was absolutely being developed. And there are others too, was, you know, a magnetically based world to where all of technology would be based around magnetism and the use of magnets. And yeah, I mean, it's electromagnetism. So there's still some, some degree of electricity, you know, obviously involved there, but I hope you get my point. And that's the beauty of man of steel in watching that movie is you get to see what would it look like if all our technology was powered by magnetism, you know, what would our displays look like? What would our interfaces look like? You know, all, all this different stuff. Uh, and I mean, even the, even the propulsion drives, you know, my, I mean, I, you know, we didn't go in. It didn't go into this. The movie didn't go into it, but I mean, you know, who knows how much of that was powered by Magnus, but it was, it, it was so unique to see people completely forget about that design language. And it's, it's actually pretty functional because usually you end up with, uh, what's known as uh, cinemagenic systems like, uh, like minority report is cinemagenic to where it's a system. It's not practical at all. It's just meant to look good on camera. I feel like a lot of the UI and the UX, the magnetic based UI or UX in, um, you know, in man of steel is totally practical. I don't think it's just cinemagenic. Uh, so it just, just really, really cool. I was so impressed by that. Um, and so people were wondering what I was, what the side tangent was that I was going to talk about is I was going to, I, that was the side tangent when I brought up man of steel, I was going to say, this is the movie and the only movie I can think of where you get to see what a world looks like that is powered by magnets and not by electricity. Uh, and it, and it, it's, it looks so cool. It's very exciting. I mean, it's all very monochrome as well, uh, which makes sense because everything is just effectively, you know, little magnetic balls and all this stuff, right. You know, just getting reformulated and reshaped to do whatever function you need. Um, of course, much of that obviously is being done through some degree of electric current. Right. But, uh, or well, if you're going by physics, that's how it worked. But I mean, maybe there's other, other possibilities of doing that. It may not necessarily have to be electric current because I mean, that, that was, that was the concepts done in the 19th century with magnetism was that there was ways you could make, um, you know, uh, I mean, all just all this kind of wild stuff just by using, you know, the, the, uh, the effect of polar opposites on magnetism, you know, and, and all this, it's really wild. It never took off because electricity just worked for what it did. I'm not saying magnetism would be the better system. Um, but, uh, but it's something to think about, you know, when you think steampunk electricity and magic's another one that people run with, I'd love to see more stories. I guess I'm giving away perhaps a million dollar idea here. You know, I'd love to see more stories that deal with the world. I mean, and you'd really have to think it out 
to where, you know, yeah, you have a lot of the stuff that we know of today, but it's all being powered completely naturally, you know, by, uh, you know, by magnetism itself, by electromagnetism. Um, and I know some people are going to say, well, you know, magnetism kind of powers some of electricity. That's how you produce it and all stuff. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, dealing with the fact of how mag magnets work, especially, you know, when, when, when you know, the, the poles detract and attract, you know, creating technology that you that takes advantage of that, uh, particularly without it producing electricity, perhaps, but it physically taking advantage of that sort of thing. Re really wild stuff. I can't remember the name of the book that talked about it, um, you know, how, how that works. But man, it just. Ooh. Repel. Thank you. You see, this is why I have a producer. I said, detract, detract is to take away, not to, not to move away. Yeah. <laughs> Repel. So there you go. I, thankfully the lovely hyper intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy keeps me from sounding like a moron, uh, once again. So <laughs> that happens more than, you know, uh, but, uh, all right. So enough is the price of liberty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> okay. So enough of that. Um, I, we only got to a couple questions this week. Um, I will save the rest for next week. And I think I'm going to release another show this week for, for Patreon only subscribers. And if everything you just think I talked about was just nuts, or if you found it completely fascinating, please don't hesitate to message me and let me know. Uh, okay. And if you have questions, you can send them in, uh, as well. Uh, again, that that's enough. So Carpe Lucem, everybody. Thank you so much to everybody that is a patron. Uh, or that is donating whatever other way that you do uh, means the world to me. Uh, I'll see you on the other side. Woo! Away we go. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.